The book of James brings a nice balance to the other New Testament letters. The Apostle Paul emphasizes that we are saved by faith alone and not by works. James, on the other hand, reminds us that true faith will produce good works, for faith without works is dead. Now let's join Pastor Ross with our verse-by-verse study through this very practical epistle. Heavenly Father, as we always like to acknowledge before we begin, reflecting on your word is its origin from heaven, from God, a living, supernatural, miraculous work that's breathing and alive, sharp as a two-edged sword, ready to do its work to cut through all the layers and get down to the heart of the matter, and for good, to correct us, to challenge us, to instruct us, to guide us, to comfort us, to renew us, to cleanse us, to give us hope. So thank you, Father, for your word. May we hear it and put it into practice and be blessed. Jesus' name, amen. There's an entertaining story in the book of Acts. And of course, the book of Acts is relaying the early days of the Christian church, how uh, Christianity really got its start after the resurrection, ascension, and then the giving of the Holy Spirit. And a major player in all of that the Apostle Paul, who himself, through the Holy Spirit, uh, authored 13 of the New Testament books. Well, the Apostle Paul in this story comes to town. It's Sunday, and the infant congregation, the baby Christian church, had gathered uh, that evening for church service in a large hall or home. Looked very much like a home fellowship group. You know, they were going to have the Lord's Supper, which was really a potluck and a meal back in those days. And hear God's word being taught by none other than the Apostle Paul. It was packed. Um, Paul, God's man, was bringing the word and he'd be leaving in the morning for Jerusalem. They may never see him again. It was his last time and his first time there. Uh, So here's this Bible scholar, the author of 13 New Testament epistles, a world-renowned theologian and a solid communicator, and he knew the unspoken rules for effective communication. The mind can absorb no more than the seat can endure. (laughs) Amen? Amen? Don't say that too loudly. When weariness begins, edification ends. In other words, you can't get a lot out of a message when you're bone tired. Well, it was a unique night. And even though Paul knows this, he couldn't resist going on and on and on. And it got late into the evening. He had a lot to say. And he kept on going on. There was a lethal mix of his long-windedness and many lanterns in the upper room there that they were meeting in. And so it was kind of uh, hazy and smoky and kind of warm. And the air, oxygen flow was bad. And there in Acts 20, Luke says the room was stuffy and eyes were drooping. And this young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. He was probably desperate for some oxygen. And he's sitting there and the Bible says... While Paul went on and on, he sank into a sound sleep, this kid, right? Now, hard to believe that that could happen, especially with the Apostle Paul. But, you know, given the circumstances, the word for sinking into a sound sleep there in the Greek is the word where we get to be hypnotized. And so as Paul is going on and on and on, the kid is going, you know, making... And then... The unthinkable, and we can joke about it now because we know the happy ending, but he passes out (laughs) and he falls three stories really to his death. They pick him up dead. 
Now, he is really the only person I know that we could say he literally died of boredom. (laughs) The good news is, of course, that God gave those mighty apostles really carte blanche with his power back then. They're establishing a church in in a land of paganism, they don't have the Bible, and God has just thrown down crazy power on them. Paul throws himself upon Eutychus, and Eutychus is raised from the dead. They all go back upstairs. They celebrate. You know, nobody's drowsy anymore. <laughs> and uh, they go on with the meeting. Now, I've been going in church and been in ministry for 30-plus years, and seeing folks nod off in church, it's... There's some funny stories. All right, you're all suddenly so quiet. It's just like, yeah. is he going to mention me? You're thinking. No, I'm not. <laughs> but I am going to mention a couple of things. You know, my word, when people wake themselves up with a snort, that is just too funny. And one time I was sitting in, you know, in the middle of a congregation, and I thought I heard like this rhythmic snoring. Now, I was thinking, there's no way I'm hearing snoring, but I was. (laughs) And uh, then there's the head bonk, the front on the pews. That's why we have opted for soft, cushy chairs. (laughs) I've seen that happen. Just boom, you know, right? It's, It's a rude awakening, I'll tell you what. You remember the story uh, I was getting tea and coffee at the time in our break. And I noticed in the tea section, there was a little packet of sleepy time tea. And I went to Patty Anderson. I said, Patty Anderson, you are sabotaging our efforts here. And I took it out. I said, there'll be no sleepy time tea at this church. I need all the help I can get. Well, actually, I'm somewhat sympathetic. I've been there uh, for most of my ministry. I worked a full-time job. Uh, I know what it's like to be tired in church and for the pastor to go on and on. (laughs) And uh, my own eyes have gone crossed in services, so I know that. Now, there's lots of reasons, good and bad. You know, I really don't have a problem. Uh, I'm glad the person is in church, really, I mean, there uh, crazy schedules, graveyard shifts, medication that makes you drowsy, uh, just feeling warm and comfortable. You kind of settle in, and then you know, next thing you know, <laughs> you're you're yeah, you're gone. <laughs> Your wife is elbowing you, or vice versa. Well, like I said, that's not the problem. What it doesn't concern me. What does concern me is that people's hearts are receptive to God's word, that you be in the right posture spiritually that will enable you and the living word of God to connect. Because if you don't do that, um, it nullifies all the benefits of really knowing the Lord. And that's precisely what James chapter 1 is about. James is getting at this. To Christians in trouble, the answer is in the living word of God. Therefore, you must clear the path between you and any hindrance to make that clean connection with the truth and the living presence of this supernatural essence of who God is that has to to connect with you in order to rescue you. The Bible says that that word that's humbly implanted in us will rescue us. So James says, open the chapter just to give you some context. These Christians are really um, faltering. They're wilting under persecution and trouble. Really, they're not doing a very good job of being a good Christian witness or living the Christian life. They're persecuted and they've got money uh, struggles and their temptations to sin. And James is saying, I know the answer. The answer is the word of God. Now, mature Christians, in the opening of the chapter, to bring you up to verse 19, where we are today, mature Christians, beginning uh, here in chapter 1, have a constructive good attitude about difficulty. So he says, number one, 
Make sure you change your attitude, make it constructive and good about when you fall into hard times. Um, the irritant in the oyster shell is what makes the pearl. The bigger the irritant, the bigger the pearl. God says, I'm working all things, all irritants together for good. And something beautiful is going to come out of that. He also went on to say, cooperate with God. Don't fight him. Uh, Accept your circumstances and the lot that he has given you. And ask him for wisdom and how to handle this. Is this something I need to pray away? Or is this something I need to pray through? I mean, it takes wisdom, and he says, ask God for wisdom and be fully committed. Come hell or high water, you're not going to get anything from God if you're a a two-faced person. Today, I'm a committed Christian. Tomorrow, that depends. And he says to understand fully your own weakness when you're being tempted instead of blaming God for your troubles. Realize that most of the problem is within. Know and trust the goodness and faithfulness of God in your life. Now, that brings you... Now to verse 19, and he's still going on with his efforts to rescue these Christians who have let trouble get the upper hand in their lives. They're morally compromised. And now he's going to say in verse 19, So my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, And slow to become angry, for man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. So that's his thesis statement again in this paragraph. He's saying, you know what's going to save you and rescue you? He's already said, my dear brothers, they're already saved. So what he means by, you know, let the word of God do its work is that it will rescue you from whatever dilemma you find yourself in. The word of God will comfort you, will advise you, will instruct you, will protect you, will guide you on the right path. But if something gets in between you and God's presence, God's voice, his truth, and there's a a short-circuiting you're gonna you're you're going down. So James is diving in right here, and that's as far as we're gonna go because there are I couldn't resist, there are three points right there. I mean, really, he just lays it out, and we're gonna just stop there because I don't have to come up with three points. They're right there. So we're gonna take a look at that. The inability to listen, rash speech, and anger. He's saying that these are things that are getting in the way of God's word connecting to your heart and life and saving you and helping you. Now, Pastor Nathan just mentioned that he had to jump a dead battery. There was some kind of problem. And, and I said, you know, that, that's a good sermon illustration. The battery terminals can get corrosive materials on them. And create a problem bringing the power to start the engine, right? One time, I was driving along the freeway. My car just went completely dead. There wasn't a problem with the engine. And the battery was fine. It was the corrosive elements on the terminal that needed to be cleaned off so there was a smooth connection. So that the power could get to the engine. So that I could get to where I was going. James says there are three types of corrosive elements that get in the way of you connecting with the power from on high. And the first one is being a poor listener. And the context here is not just with people. It's really with the word of God and with God, that spiritual discernment, that heart listening to God, that stilling yourself, quieting your soul, and letting God Almighty through his word, through his people, through a myriad of ways to get through to you. 
to guide you and to save you and to rescue you. So let's, let's talk about that. First, he says, my dear, dear Christian friends, let's clear the path to God's word first by being active listeners. Now, why does he say that you need to be a good listener? It's because you're not naturally a good listener. No offense. Neither am I. You know why? Because we're all about ourselves. If I'm all wrapped up in me, I really don't have the space. I don't have the energy, and nor do I have the interest to pay attention. You know, somebody said to me once when I said, you know, I'm really bad at names. And they said, well, are you stupid? And I said, well, no, I don't consider myself stupid. I said, it's not that you're bad with names. It's that you don't care enough to retain the name. You don't, you don't find value. Now, if that person has value to you, and you stand to gain or to lose something significant by not knowing their name, you will know their name. Because you're not dumb. And it's important to you. But if it's not really important, or if there's just, you know, you're a school teacher and you're just, there's 30 of them. I mean, those are normal circumstances. But generally speaking, we're not dumb and we can learn names, especially when we want to, when we're not all about us and what gives us immediate gratification. And so he says, first of all, you guys need to be listening, as Judge Judy says. And I love to quote Judge Judy. She says, sir, put your listening ears on. Put your listening ears on. And why does she have to say that? Because you know what? He doesn't have them on. It doesn't matter what she says. Sir, the law says da-da-da-da-da. And he says, well, da-da-da-da-da. Right back at her. Sir, put your listening ears on. Why can't you hear what she just said? The law says exactly opposite of what you're saying, sir. Why can't you hear that? You have two ears, but you can't hear it. Why? Because you already have made the decision, and you have something to lose or to gain. Therefore, you are close to the actual hearing of the truth because you want it to be as you want it to be. So, number one, he says, you guys need to stop doing that because you're not going to be able to come to the word clear. If you come to it all cluttered with your own agendas, you can make this book say anything you want it to say. You can make your own cut and paste Bible according to what you want to cut and paste. And we have that all over the place. You're not going to hear God say anything until you say, I'm open. I want to hear, even if it means it's going to cost me something. Even if you're going to side with the other party, I've got to be able to hear. Now, um, I said to somebody, when I heard somebody made a decision that I would consider pretty rash, I said... Why didn't you check with godly counsel about that before you did it? And they said, because I already knew what he would say. That's really a dumb way to live your life. Because you don't, sorry, I'm not, the person isn't here today. (laughs) To be able to hear from God, you have to clear your own agenda and listen to his voice. Jesus echoed this. He said, let him who has ears hear. You know what he means by that? He's saying, if you claim to have good two, ear, two ears that are in working order, then maybe you should listen to what I'm telling you. Now, we must be quick to listen in order to be set apart from evil. Interesting to me that snakes do not have ears or eardrums. And the, the one fitting aspect of the symbolism of the devil in that the Bible likens him to a serpent, I find very fascinating that the serpent doesn't have ears or eardrums because 
He doesn't listen to God. There's no ability to come to life, to hear, to repent. And the devil, with his no ears for God, and his seed, his children, the evildoers of this world, they cannot hear God unless they repent. And if they do not, they end up being a real evildoer. And on that great day, listen to this in John 5. Very truly I say to you, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Listen, very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Those who hear will live. Very important. James is saying, you better make sure that you can hear his voice and not try to manipulate things around what you really want, but that you are hearing and coming to life. So we got to be quick to listen because of its great importance. Faith comes from hearing. That is hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10. It's our lifeline. It's how we get born again. It's through the word of life. It's through hearing God and embracing that truth. And the devil has no ears to hear it, nor his children. Now, especially ancient believers, this was pretty important because there were, as I mentioned, no New Testament scriptures out yet. Nobody in that church had a Bible laying in their laps or on the coffee table at home. Old Testament scrolls were expensive and rare, and many people didn't know how to read. So they had to be good listeners. They couldn't get it later on CD or get an iPod, iCast, blueberry, whatever, (laughs) strawberry thing. Yeah. You couldn't do that back then. Nothing. One time Paul said a sermon, that's it, that's all you got. So he says, you all better be quick to listen, focused, intentional. You better get in that pew and you better pay attention. But you know what? It, it meant that if you were a poor listener, you would be a weak believer or worse. And it's the same 2,000 years later. What does James mean when he says quick to listen? Well... Here's a commentator, Kiestermacher. He said, listening in in a biblical sense is the art of closing one's mouth and opening one's ears and heart. It is said, and you've heard this before, I'm sure God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we can hear twice as much as we say. Two ears, one mouth for a reason. So the first duty of Christian discipleship is to increase our knowledge of God, to be able to hear his voice, to, to reduce the noise in our heads and in our hearts, as Psalm 46, 10 says, be still and know that I am the Lord. Now, what motivates us to do this is love. The greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord our God with all our hearts, mind, soul, and strength, Right? When you love somebody, you're open to listen to them. You're not looking at them and and casting your eyes somewhere else because you're not interested in them. Love will make you lock eyes and listen intently and let them know you matter to me. That's the loving thing to do. An unloving thing to do is to kind of fidget and look somewhere else and like you're not paying attention and you don't care. Love for God will will help you to listen in a focused way to him, even though it's tough. It's tough to, in this world we live in with all our gadgets and our busy schedules to simply sit. You just feel like you're wasting time. I could be getting things done. And God says, oh, if you only knew how much you could really be getting done by not getting done your busyness, But spending that energy listening to me, talking to me, connecting with me, quick to listen 
It's very, very important. And he says, quick just means you're, you're eager to do it. You're, you, you eagerly unplug. He says, God has those answers, man, for your marriage, for your relational fallouts, for your financial troubles, for your issue with health, and you're being tempted in a certain way. You have trouble at work. He says, God's got the answers. Are you going to make the effort to hear him? It's going to take a little work. It's not because it's going to come through osmosis. It's going to take a little work. And we find God's voice in disciplined ways, in church gatherings, in preaching and teaching, in worship. You know, I hear the Lord talking to me when I'm worshiping. I hear the Lord talking to me through circumstances. I hear the Lord talking to me through pain. C.S. Lewis saying he whispers to us in our pleasures and he shouts to us in our pain. There's a lot of ways to hear, but you won't hear it unless you're tuned into the right frequency. You've got to have the radio on. You've got to have it dialed to his channel or you're not going to hear it. There's a ton of radio waves going on right now. In this room, there's country music. There's classical music. There's talk radio. It's in this room right now. And unless you have the equipment and you're tuned to the station, you're not going to get it. He says, tune in to this station because it's a matter of life and death. A man, I'm reading from the news report, a man struck by a trolley in San Diego and killed along Harbor Boulevard. Thursday was wearing headphones and didn't hear the trolley's horn, police said. They found him dead with his earphones plugged in. James says, when it's about God and it's Spiritual hearing, it's life and death. Left and right is pretty important. The straight way, the narrow way that leads to life. And few there be who find it. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many take that way. We got to unplug from the world and plug into God. Through Christian gatherings, as I said. There's so many resources now to get, the God, to get the God's word, to get God's word into our hearts. Quick to listen, friends. Two, slow to speak. The second of our triple duties here. The paraphrase, okay, so mature Christians who are going to overcome their problems are going to be given over to reflective listening and discerning while very cautious and intentional about what they let come out of their mouths. So he says, you're going to get in trouble here, and that's going to mess up the connection, the the next corrosive material on your battery terminal of your soul is careless talking. We're going to talk about that. Robert Frost once said, half the world is composed of people who have something to say and cannot, and the other half who have nothing to say and keep on saying it. (laughs) Now, the churches were loosely structured. You remember 1 Corinthians 14. Everybody wanted to talk and share. There was some of the God told me to tell you crowd in there. Everybody was talking over each other. Everybody had an opinion and a prayer and a word. And boom, it was just a mess and exaggerating. And all of these problems by speaking. And and the, the Lord is saying through James that a continual talker cannot hear what anyone else says. And by the same token will not hear when God speaks to him. I have a friend who talks a lot. I went to, I'm going to be careful because these sermons go everywhere. That's a long time ago. And when he would call, I would never be able to speak not one word for a half an hour. And so we were kidding around one day, and I put the phone down, and I went and did something. I think I washed all the dishes. And then I came back, and I picked it up. He didn't know I was gone. 
The Bible says that's bad. <laughs> You're not going to be able to hear him. People are not going to be attracted to you. It's a real flaw not to have the social sense and grace to know that it is an unloving act and very quite unproductive spiritually to be talking and talking and talking. I think sometimes we, we say our prayers in a way that he can't get a, a word in edgewise. You know, dear God, I'm and this is what I need you to do. And I pray. Prayer is supposed to be like a conversation. So there should be some pauses and some breaks because we don't want the Lord to go and do the dishes while we are, while he's got us on the phone. All right, well, and so Proverbs 18.13, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. That's 18.13. And then Proverbs 10.19, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth closed. Now, we must be slow to speak because of the sheer power of words The dumbest axiom that we've ever adopted and passed along to our children is the little limerick, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. I myself prefer to have a broken arm than a bruised spirit. Um, When you have dynamite and other explosive materials, you take care how you store and move those because the potential to destroy. The Bible is filled with exhortations to take great care with this instrument, the tongue, because it has the power, Proverbs 18.21, the tongue can bring forth death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's Proverbs 18.21. Now, the wrong words begin wars, or end them, the right words. They get people fired or hired, depending on your words. You'll end a relationship or enhance one. You'll destroy reputation or build somebody up. You can divide a church with the wrong words. You you can be condemned by your words. Jesus said this in Matthew 10. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. In other words, he's saying, on judgment day, we'll be playing the tape. And your words are an accurate measure of your heart. Jesus' words. All I have to do, Jesus is saying, is on that judgment day, I'm going to listen to your own words. And by your own words that we played during life, you will be acquitted. Because he will play my tape where I came out of the bar and said, looked up into the sky and said, I'm wrong, you're right. That was my sinner's prayer. I had never been to church. I didn't know all the right words. Oh, holy benevolent father. (laughs) I just said, God, you're right, I'm wrong. He's going to play that tape. It says, acquitted by the words because it revealed what was going on in my heart. And then you're going to pull up some poor soul's tape and it's going to say, Do you know how many billions of years ago, through chance, it wasn't had anything to do with God, just this chance, and there was a big boom, and everything just happened. And from this little cell, everything you see evolved. And God says, boom, your words. Your words revealed the wickedness of your heart to suppress the truth of God which can be seen clearly by that which has been made through the creation of the world. His eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly seen for God has made it plain to them. So he says, by your words. We won't need to see the video. Just play the audio. That's why he says, you better be careful with this because... You'll be acquitted. I'm going to tell you a story I'm very ashamed of. 
Fortunately, it was only when I was 20 years old, and hopefully I've grown since then, over 30 years. Speaking of my tongue and using it in an incorrect way, in a destructive way, my brother was going on a missions trip to Japan, and he had a girlfriend at the time, and we all rode to the airport together and dropped my brother off. He went off to Japan, and his girlfriend had a hard time at the airport. And back in those days, we made tapes, cassette tapes, and we sent them back and forth to each other. And I had made a tape, several tapes, over the summer for my brother. And in one of those tapes, I said something, some things rude about his girlfriend. And uh, I said about how she was overly emotional at the airport. And I was teasing. And, and they were unkind words, for sure. The, the two of us went back to pick my brother up at the end of the summer. And my brother was listening when he got off the plane to his music tapes, but they were in a box with all his other cassette tapes, right? And so he brought them in to the car, and he put the the tapes on the dash and all the luggage in the trunk. And then while we were driving home from SFO, Kelly put his earphones in, and she just picked a tape out of the big box to listen to a portion of my letter to my brother. And as I'm driving, I'm just thinking, I wonder what she's listening to. I wonder what those letters said. I wonder, oh, no. (laughs) And as I looked slowly up to her face in slow motion, I'm thinking, what are the odds? There's no way she's at that place yet. As I look at her face, tears streaming down and the Lord spoke to me so clearly in my heart never say anything about anybody unless you're okay with playing the tape afterwards with them sitting there now have I followed that advice of course not (laughs) does anybody I mean it's really hard does it mean it's not true that is so true how blessed would you be and your relationships if only you said the things that could be played right now? Hit the button from the last week. We'd like the table conversation from family number three. Here we go. Well, we'll never see family number three again, nor any of the other families because they think they were next. (laughs) But imagine if I lived knowing this is going to appear one day, and it will either in evaluation on Judgment Day for reward for Christians. That's how we're evaluated. Those things will come to light for reward, not condemnation, or lack thereof a reward. The others, Jesus says, you will pay for every careless word to the lost. From starting from this, from when the age of accountability, you will pay for every careless word of a lifetime. It's important. And so, you know, I think about all the ways we get in trouble, slandering, which means talking smack about somebody, ruining their reputation, gossiping, getting into other people's business and spreading it around when you shouldn't be, lying, being dishonest, exaggerating, flattering, which means praising and affirming someone for your personal gain, bragging, boasting, meanness, envy, coveting. It just goes on and on and on. Profanity. How many different ways can this thing get you in trouble? James chapter 3 says, Once you get this thing under control, your whole body, everything else will fall into place. So watch out. A wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he knew, the less he spoke. The less he spoke, the more he knew. Does this same thing apply to you? (laughs) Kind of weak, but I threw it in there. (laughs) Now, don't get Brother James wrong before we move on to my last angry point or point about anger. (laughs) He's not saying 
he wants us to take a vow of silence. Slow to speak doesn't mean he doesn't want you to jump out there and pray at that prayer meeting when somebody says somebody needs to start praying. And now if everybody gets this verse wrong, nobody's going to start praying. You know, he's not against uh, vibrant, fast paced conversations, the stuff of life. They're fun. They're fruitful. They're good. He wants us to enjoy conversation. When, when the music goes on and we take a break and everything bursts into to, uh, volume and uh, talking, it's a blessing. He's, the point of slow to speak is think before you speak. Don't utter hasty things with your mouth because it will get in between of you and the Lord. So continuing now on to the slow to anger He wants us, thirdly, to be long-fused in our lives. An angry heart is far from God. So here's the paraphrase. Stay inwardly focused with God. Choose your words wisely and avoid getting heated at all costs because man's anger is so contrary to the kind of life God wants for us. He says, really, I kind of see anger as the end result of failing to do one and two. You're not in sync with God and his love and his word and disciplined way of, of relating to God. And then you're speaking, and the more you speak, the more you're going to get into trouble with controversy and that kind of thing. You're, you're going to say something to make somebody mad, and then you're going to be angry. So he says, and when you're angry... Where's God in all of that? There's resentment and bitterness and malice and meanness and unforgiveness. He says that just sets you way back from the loving hand of God that wants to grab you and rescue you. He says, oh, man, avoid losing your temper. Oh, whether you're a smolderer or whether you're a fire breather, this works both ways because we got your passive aggressives who are really aggressive, but they lack the courage to actually aggress. So they, so they do it passively by withholding and being quiet about it. Oh, they're killing you, but they're doing it silently. <laughs> so, yeah, Jessica, I see you're sitting here. Well, I never lose my temper. I never lose my cool. Oh, you're not off the hook yet. <laughs> God looks at the heart. You who withhold forgiveness when you a lifetime of sins, a lifetime of sins, God says, done. But you, with your brother or sister, say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not forgiving you. That's passive-aggressive anger, my friend. And you're far from the will of God if you do things like that. Now, escaping anger is very important here. Of course, not all anger is bad. Sometimes, you know, false teaching or terrible injustices in the world uh, or suffering, you know, that kind of thing. It motivates heroic and inspirational living, doesn't it? I mean, if you are so angry at yourself for, for the stupid thing you just did or said and it motivates you to change, that's a good thing. But 99.9% of our anger is unconstructive and unproductive. And James says, that's a corrosive material. God, there won't be a happy fellowship of you and God taking your little walk together when you're all ticked off inside. You will not thrive physically, and you will not thrive spiritually. Anger is just a bad choice, you know. A lady said once to evangelist Billy Sunday, tried to rationalize her angry outbursts by saying, you know, Billy, I just get it all out. I just have my little thing. I get it out, blow off a little steam, boom. And, you know, we go on from there and it's all over. And he said, you know, so does a shotgun. It goes (laughs) boom. And then there's some damage that's left behind. Here's a proverb. 29.11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. 
We live in a world that says, oh, <laughs> don't repress things. When I say repress, you think negative. Biblical repression, positive. He says, deny yourself, repress those sinful impulses. To repress is biblical and good. You say, well, you know what, Pastor Ross, I got to let that out. It'll be like the guy who holds back a sneeze. You know, go, you know I'm going to hurt myself. You know, I got to let it out. I got to have a vent for that. That is silly, foolish, and unbiblical. There is no scripture to justify you needing to blow off a little steam. You are 100% sinning and, and doing something destructive when you are blowing off steam. Go to the gym. Take a walk. Pray. But don't go and blow off and talk and gossip and rant and rave. Or do whatever it is you do when you do your thing. The Bible's against that. He says, take it off. Get rid of it. Get rid of it like a dirty shirt. You take off the anger. You don't let it out. And we can do that. You can do that. I've got a couple examples of that. Let's say you're leaving messages for an acquaintance, and it's pretty important to you that they get back to you. You're texting them. You're emailing, you're leaving voice messages. Man, it's really important, blah, 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 blah. And I need a fast reply here. You get nothing in return and you're angry. Then you find out they were out of the country. In a second, you've let that go. Because you've got new information. You've changed. The anger's gone. How can you be angry at them? They left the country. Well, you might find a reason. Why don't you tell me? It's all your fault, you know. You should have told me. You know, they have automatic responders for emails, you know. You know. But basically, my point is this. Friend, don't say that you can't stop being angry. You stop ang being angry if somebody knocks on the door in the middle of your anger fest. Oh, suddenly. It reminds me. <laughs> you know, suddenly, pastor's at the door. Oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Oh, that happens all the time. You know, people get in their car. You know, they're rushing to church. They got three or four kids in there, and the kids are absolutely in chaotic dysfunction. And mom and dad are, like, pulling their hairs out, and everything's going wrong. They pull up to church. They open the doors. They get out, and, they, and they're like, praise the Lord. <laughs> How's it going? Wonderful. <laughs> Praising him. Of course you are. <laughs> Look, you can change. My, I, I, I'm thinking of this time when I was a kid. It's 10 years old. Brother's nine. My sister's nine. My brother's eight. My other brother's six. And we're all in an elevator being naughty. My mom. We got quite a ways to go from like 20 to one. My mom is mad. She is the karate kung fu artist. I mean, it's, we are brawling. And then, bing, and the doors open, and my mom's all, aren't we having fun, kids? <laughs> now, it's so funny to see people texting right now. It's, uh, it's just funny to me. I mean, because I'm talking about listening really good. <laughs> but sorry to see that. It's just the glow on your face and the thing. Not that I know how to text, but I do. Where was I? Oh, mom. Yeah, so look, folks, when the bing comes, know that if, if, if my reputation outweighs the joy of being angry in the moment, then I stop on a dime. And James is saying, stop on a dime because bing, the Lord is there. Bing, the Lord is there. The door's there. He's there. He's looking. He's watching. He's saying, is that any way to act? As a Christian, no. You've got to be careful. Ways to uh, avoid this is, of course, never to go to bed angry, to change your thinking, to remember who's watching, and to not to let it happen in the first place. 
to keep our hearts open and unbroken fellowship with God. And when you're measuring your words for love and sensitivity and kindness and gentleness, those kind of things are going to be less in your life. Last little illustration uh, read of a heroic save of hundreds of people's lives. Two Airbuses, jet blue, almost collided. One was on the runway. He had just been cleared. It was the final thing he would have heard from air traffic control. He was gone. He was ready. Go do your thing. And he turned right instead of a left on the runway. And he was going straight into the landing path of another huge jumbo Airbus. The air traffic controller, 35 years veteran, really on his game, saw it a split second into the guy's ear and said, JetBlue 495, hold. One word. One chance. Feet from a collision. You see it that Fox News showed the little blips. It just, they're ready to touch. One word. Hold. They played it over and over again. That's all the guy said. Everybody's lives depended on getting that one word to his ear, into his heart, to his feet, or wherever you stop a big Airbus. I don't know. (laughs) Captain who has flown a 757? Yes. How do you stop him? Yes! (laughs) Do you drag him on the ground? (laughs) All right, folks. God, he's got a word for you. How many times in your life, I hate to say this, but did you miss the one word, hold, and you, you went forward? Why? You were distracted. You weren't where you should have been. You weren't listening. You had the wrong plug in. You are playing something else in your head. He says, hold. Let's pray. Father God, it is hard to hear you, but so important. Some moments more important than others, but truly, Lord, to hear your voice is life. Help us to maintain a clear path and clean terminals in our soul to connect with the power from heaven, the word of God. We thank you. Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.